0: So let's turn to God's word and we're reading from John chapter 15 this morning. Tim's going to come and read for us.
1: Good morning. Reading today is from John 15 verses 9 to 17. As the Father has loved me, Thanks be to God. Let's just pray for Joe as he,
0: uh, as he joins us. Lord, thank you for Joe and his ministry uh, amongst us. And just pray for him, Lord God, as he shares your word with us. Thank you for what he's prepared. Thank you for what he's already shared at Church Centre this morning. And we pray, Lord, that we might have ears to hear your voice through Joe this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be here. Thank you for, for being patient. Do you know what time I woke up this morning? 20 past eight. And I've never woken up at 20 past eight before and I wasn't on the razzle last night, I wasn't, uh, it was just a, a busy day. And I went, ah, I'm gonna get down on Quakers Road, quarter past nine and, uh, So I was a bit late for them and you know how to do, when you get old, there's certain things you have to do before you <laughs> jump out of bed. <laughs> it's definitely time for me to retire, but uh, there we are. So I'm a bit, uh, a bit behind today. And I had a lovely chat with people after the service and uh, apologising for being a bit late this morning. So let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for the opportunity to focus afresh on your word. And uh, thank you that, as Paul has, has prayed for me, I pray that we might all receive what you have for us as gift this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. So I just want to focus this morning on one verse from the scripture that we heard read. A verse that will have shocked the disciples. And this is it. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. You did not choose me, But I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Now that will have shocked the disciples because normally the norm in Jesus' day would be that the people around and those who wanted to follow someone, a rabbi, who would be able to lead them into ways of wisdom and understanding of God's word, uh, would look around and see like, you know, choosing, choosing a church. Sometimes people have a look at the, the churches, they look at the vicar and they think, oh yeah, that's the sort of church I want to go to and I'll go there and, uh, and pitch up and be part of that church. Whereas in this case the reverse happens. Jesus has chosen them and he's not only chosen them, he has given them a purpose. And the purpose is very clear, to bear fruit, not, kind, not just the kind of fruit that, uh, like an apple falls off the tree and before you know it, the, the birds or the maggots have got it and it all sort of goes mushy and horrible, but fruit, he said, that will last. In other words, to be the kind of people that are able to make a lasting impact on another person, or the community in which they're placed, or even the wider world. Partly because they are full of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the love and the joy, the peace, patience, kindness, all those sort of things that are described in Galatians. And in summary, uh, are described as people who are full of love. They love God, they love one another. But the impact that a person can have on uh, their environment is described as a fruitfulness, the like of which, if it's lasting, is what Jesus is looking for. So Jesus is looking for here, giving his disciples an identity and a purpose. Their identity is that they're chosen by God. And when uh, a king in biblical times or a queen was, was uh, chosen, they would be anointed. A prophet or somebody would come along and they would anoint that person. Or in, if you remember when our own queen was appointed as queen, enthroned as queen, she was anointed, wasn't she? Went back to that little chapel and the archbishop would pour some oil onto her. So. This identity of anointing spoke of the blessing, the the power, the authority. The sense of being delighted in by God that that person was endued with. So they were anointed, but they were also appointed. And this is the purpose, appointed to to live a fruitful life, lives that count, lives that make a difference where they are. Therefore Jesus is saying to his disciples you are anointed and you are appointed to go and bear fruit. And so are all Christ's followers ever since. And When I stop and think about that just for a few moments I think how humbling how motivating how liberating how invigorating that is that God should give us and give me the share in that purpose and give us that sense of his pleasure in me as a person but this morning I want us to think not just about us as individuals. We often talk about us as individuals being fruitful on our front lines and all the sort of things which is important. But I want us to think this morning about us in the corporate sense, as a body, as Christchurch, together with all our different people. All those who are part of Christchurch watching at home, those who are worshipping down at Quakers Road this morning, those who will be worshipping this evening at the 6.30 service, those who are worshipping on Thursdays, those who are worshipping at Families at 4, and all those different types of services, all a part of Christchurch. Those who can't come to church because of some disability, you take communion too, whatever it might be, We're all part of the Christ Church family. And I want us to ponder anew what it means for us as a church to be anointed and appointed to be Christ in this community and to produce fruit that will last. It was summed up in really in the song that Anita wrote And uh, I think you sang, did you sing? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, You are my beloved people. And that's how God sees us, as beloved people. And I want to quote from a letter that I had recently from our bishop, Bishop Viv, after I just wrote, as I officially had to do, to offer my resignation on my retirement. And uh, she said, as part of this letter, looking to the future, be assured that the Archdeacon and I are aware of the treasure, the treasure now entrusted to us and the need for the best possible successor. Do you know that filled me with thanksgiving, that you, we, are described by our bishop as treasure. And I know that in the eyes of God we are a treasure his treasured possession, his beloved people. Precious in his sight, loved beyond description, given that place in his heart that fills him with joy, fills him with delight. Just as he looked at Jesus on his baptism, said, you are my beloved son in whom I My soul delights. I sing over you. I rejoice in you. So we, because we are a church that is in Christ, that same pleasure, that same joy, is in the heart of the Father and who the bishop, on behalf of the diocese, has expressed to us in those few words. And it set me wondering why that might be. Is it because... Uh, we are one of the more la- larger, more vibrant churches in the diocese. Is it because um, we are a, a, for the diocese, a model of good practice, of generous giving, of whole life discipleship? Is it because we are more innovative or creative, or because there's lots of lay participation, or we reach out to children and families, invest in that ministry? Is it because we have a thriving youth work led by brilliant people? Is it because of the great mission support that we have that participates not only in prayer and in financial giving but in participation through people going to different places all over the world? Are we a treasure because we have seen compassion put into action through CAP and in many other ways? Is it because we have lots of prayer going on in all sorts of ways, like this last 24 hours? Or we have high standards of safeguarding or administration or organization or even leadership. Is that why we're treasured? Well, I don't know about the diocese, but I do know that is not the reason in God's eyes that we're treasured. The Bible makes it very clear in its typically mysterious way (laughs) that we are loved because we are loved. Simple as that. We're treasured because He treasures us. By grace, we are saved and we are being saved, and we shall be saved. It's not of our own works, you know. We can't boast. It's because God loves us, God treasures us, and that's how he sees us. Jesus said, and he heard in that passage, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now, he says, just remain in that love, and I think, we're called to be a people who sometimes just step back from all the things we're going on with in life and just step back and say Lord, thank you that we're we're loved by you. You And just rest in that love. Rest in that truth. Bathe in it as Paul was saying last week in that great passage on God's love. We can bathe in it. Bring our swimming costume to church and just (laughs) bathe in the love of God and take in the fact that we are treasured by him so our purpose as a church flows out of our identity our identity is we are chosen we're loved our purpose if we are to be a christ church that is christ like it follows that his risen life will flow out through us just as john the beloved disciple of jesus describes the fruit is produced out of healthy branches which are getting their life from abiding in the vine abiding in him is the first section of that chapter 15 Describes. And many years ago, we met. I remember as a vision team, part of the PCC, we met as a a vision team. And we wanted to say how could we measure being fruitful? What does it mean to be fruitful in our community, in our wider world, as a church? How could we measure that? If it's apples, such as fruit, we can count how many uh, apples that have been produced by the tree, or we bite into one and we can taste and see how juicy or delicious or sour or bitter it might be. But what's that mean in a church context? And so part of our restructuring of the church all those years ago was that we uh, empowered the heads of ministries, lots of different ministries we soon have, as you'll see in the annual report. And in their monthly meetings with me as the vicar, they'd come with clear objectives and we'd review things. What's going well? What's not going so well? What could be different? But also we would measure how fruitful we're being by recounting stories of fruitfulness. Things that have happened that have really made a difference. Examples of how people's lives have been changed. How the impact in the community has been such that things are beginning to move. Things in the world that have been different because of the way that Christ Church has been at work. And the result is that the church is now focused on transformation of lives, and not just on doing lots of stuff. Fruitfulness is not measured by doing lots of stuff. We do do lots of stuff. (laughs) But I don't want us to be a church, never have wanted us to be a church that does things because we think by that We are being fruitful or successful or anything other than just being faithful to God. Because doing lots of stuff can wear us out and it can be counterproductive. In other words, what we're about is seeking to discern what the Spirit is doing of God, the Spirit of God is doing, and joining in with that and then learning how to prune or feed depending on how fruitful or potentially fruitful something is. Or we may need to cut something out completely to continue that gardening analogy to make space for new growth to happen. And an excellent example of this is our partnership with church schools. And you've heard how Belinda has described some of the ways that, that has been happening. As a church, we have made our partnership with church schools and with other schools in the area a priority. And over the last 19 years, I've seen how the church and how the Lord has worked powerfully in both the junior and the infant school, so that now each is offering a superb education that is rooted in Christian values. And Belinda was right. It wasn't the case a while ago. The ethos of both schools is now clearly Christian. And I am incredibly proud of the work that our governors have done. I pay tribute to Belinda because she has been brilliant in the infant school. We're going to miss her so, so much. She's not only been involved with the uh, foundation governor's work, been involved with all different committees as well, and gone in regularly, led collective worship, monitored it, and you know, really helped to encourage the staff and different things all over the place. So I think we really owe a huge debt of gratitude, Belinda. I've seen it firsthand. But our other school governors? whether it's clergy, Paul and I, other clergy before us, Aidan now as well, or all the lay people who have been involved, have just made a massive impact. And we as a church have played our part in that, whether it's in collective worship, pastoral support, encouraging uh, the the staff as well, and now participating in this new initiative uh, with uh, experience, with the, uh, the partnering with CAP to support where we can the most vulnerable and some of those who have been victims of financial pressures that we're facing as a nation. It's not just the church schools, though, the young people under Diane's leadership have been fantastic in the way in which they've worked in down in school, bringing some of the moral values and principles of the Christian faith to bear. And helping create an environment where there's openness to discuss things and look at ways that you can support people who are under huge pressure, building relationships of hope and trust. People have experienced Easter, experienced Christmas, experienced harvest, those experienced journeys which Sean was part of creating many, many years ago, and now they're right across the whole country in church schools all over the UK and beyond that was pioneered, that was piloted here at Christchurch, we have had, because of that, a massive impact. It's run in St Paul's Cathedral, in Wells Cathedral, in Bristol, and everywhere, and in little parish churches. It's massive. And we've been part of that fruitfulness. A million children a year do the experience journeys over the UK started here. Fruitfulness comes because we as a church have invested in the things that we believe God has called us to. And we need to continue to do that financially, through our giving, and personally where we can, according to our gifts and time and availability, through our prayerfulness and through our attitude and recognition of our call to be fruitful where we are. The impact of this investment has been huge. And we can only begin to guess what the lasting fruit of our work with our schools and all those thousands and thousands of children over the years, what it might be on our young people and, of course, on their families and the relationships we have with our schools. And so, to conclude, the annual report, which hopefully will be uh, available next week, will show a story of a church that is being fruitful in all kinds of life. And I want to finish by quoting again from that letter from Bishop Viv, because this comes back to what we're about in this series About revealing the life of the risen Christ, learning to live his risen life where we are, as a church, not just as individuals, learning as a church to be an expression of Christ's life. She very kindly just sort of just talks about thanking me for uh, the years of service uh, and overseeing the transformation of the church community and the church building. And this is the part I want to emphasize. Making Christchurch a model of the proclamation of the power of the resurrection of Christ in a parish context. Making Christchurch a model of the proclamation of the power of the resurrection of Christ in a parish context. That is what we are called to be, what we're seeking to be, and to whatever extent we can be, that's what God has been making us and will continue to make us. An expression of the resurrection of Jesus, a proclamation of that resurrection in the context of a parish, a Church of England, Parish. We are a community of broken vessels. But the good thing about a broken vessel <laughs> is the light can shine through it more fully. Because the light is there. It, Jesus is the treasure. We are the earthenware vessel, says St. Paul. And that treasure within shines out the more broken we're prepared to recognize ourselves to be. Humble, open, thankful, generous, gracious, all those things that are true of our values as a church. We're learning together how to be an expression of the life of Christ so that the life of God is glimpsed in a way that only he can make possible. This is, as Jesus said, to my Father's glory. This is the word that is, sums it all up. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit. It's all for him. It's all for him. Amen. Amen.